Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season three. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now on to the episode. Season 3, Episode 5, Homecoming. Kara, praise Moloch. It is a Cordy episode, a Cordy centric episode. <laughs> it it, it really, it really is. And oh yeah, I love this episode. This is probably one of my all time favorite episodes of the whole series. Really? Yes, because it is so much fun. Like, yes, yes. there are some serious things that happen, and we will talk about those, of course. But <laughs> this episode, because you and I were talking about this last week, so far season three has been like heavy it's being really serious this episode is fun you've got buffy and cordelia's rivalry like so much of this episode is not about slaying that's kind Mm. of almost an afterthought and that's what i love about this episode is it's really showing buffy engaged in what she would like in terms of a normal high school life and it's doing it in this fun healthy way um so and there's so many good lines in this episode like it's hard to choose your favorite quotation because (laughs) almost everything that comes out of cordelia's mouth is gold buffy has some good one-liners mr trick has some great lines like everybody's on fire in this episode it's so fun because it is taking it down to high school hijinks we've been talking about this a bit at the beginning of the season where you know, sometimes it just hits us that they're seniors and it's high school and we get that vibe again. And I think that's what this episode is picking up on a lot. It's just, it's less about the slang, especially for the first half and way more about high school life. And while I'm not overly impressed with a lot of the girls in this episode, and we, we will talk about that, I totally agree with you. Like the vibe is different and it's like waking us up basically from four episodes of feeling kind of down. <laughs> yeah. So let's get started. We open on the bronze where, just like we said, Buffy is sitting looking very sad because <laughs> that's how she's been since we've uh, started the season. Uh, but we know why she's sad as the audience because Angel is back. Remember we left her at the last episode that Angel is back and she's shocked. So Cordy, Xander, Oz, and Willow are all talking about getting a limo because homecoming is coming up. And Xander seems against it because it's expensive, but Willow is all, you know, we should make a big deal of it. It's a big homecoming's a big deal or senior year. Oz offers up his van, and Cordy says that the homecoming queen doesn't go to the dance in a van. <laughs> Which, fair. Fair enough, yeah. And so clearly Cordy is thinking she's going to be homecoming queen. And Willow says that they could all split the cost. And that's when Buffy, who has been daydreaming, snaps out of it and says, yeah, maybe, you know, if I go and all. And Willow is saying, well, you already bought your ticket. So, you know, why wouldn't you go unless you don't have a date? And who's approaching when she says that? It's Scott. 
Remember Scott? Scott that we introduced you? I do remember Scott, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's Scott. Uh, so Wassie approaches Buffy from behind. Willow changes that, oh, you don't have a date to like, oh, a day or two to think about it. <laughs> Smooth, girl. <laughs> and Cordelia, bless her heart. She stands up for Buffy and says, what's going on here? Did Scott not ask her to the homecoming dance yet? And she's like outraged. She's like, why wouldn't he have asked her yet? And it gets really awkward. And Buffy's like, thanks, Cordelia. Humiliation's really good for my color. And again, like Cordelia just goes about it the wrong way. But she was looking out for Buffy in that, in the saying that. And Scott is apologetic. And he's like, I assume that she thought it would be corny. But you know, if she wants to go, he's in. And she's like, only if you want to go. And he's like, I want to go. And Oz pipes in and just says, uh, the judges will accept that as a yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is cute. Scott offers Buffy another drink. And Buffy says, no, she's getting tired. And she's going to call it a night. Lies. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> and she does tell Scott that she's excited about the dance, which is probably true, even though there's nothing about Scott that's exciting. And they give a little smooch, a little smooch, a very harmless smooch. Uh, once again, kind of sister brotherly. <laughs> and Buffy leaves. But that's when we cut to the mansion and there's a fire and Angel is pacing around. He's still a little bit feral, I think. <laughs> he's a little wild in the brain and he's working his way up. First it was naked. Then it was pants. Now it's an open shirt, but we can still see his chest. Thank God. <laughs> so uh, I'm progress. glad that you are somewhat mollified by the openness of the shirt. Oh, I was like, thanks. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, wardrobe, for this one. Uh, but I will say it's funny how, like, do they associate Angel's wild heart with how much clothes he's wearing. <laughs> like, is that is that how it works I out? I think they know who they're aiming that at. <laughs> I think they knew that they knew I was going to be watching this. <laughs> so uh, he opens the curtain to outside and Buffy is standing there with, yes, dinner in a bag. <laughs> She's got a bag <laughs> of blood for, for Angel to feast on. She always comes through. <laughs> and Buffy says, uh, how are you feeling? And he says, it hurts less. And his back is turned to her while she's talking. Uh, and again, these two are just like so dramatic. We've been saying this so, since season one. I have a question here about the blood. Point of order. Yes. How did Buffy get this blood? It's presumably like pig's blood, animal's blood, like he was drinking before. So did she go into a butcher shop and buy blood? Did the butcher not ask why is this petite, you know, teenage <laughs> girl buying a bunch of blood? Like... It just seems like the kind of thing where it's just going to raise a whole bunch of red flags. Yeah. What What is the conversation with the butcher? I would also like to know this. Like, did she put it in the refrigerator and then stop <laughs> at home and take it out? Like, would her mom not be like, well, Buffy, why is there blood in our refrigerator? Nothing, mom. You're just high. <laughs> it's not blood. <laughs> it's tomato juice. Oh, um, God. No, she's going to drink it. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of mystery around this this dinner bag of blood. But uh, regardless, she gives it to Angel, who does not say thank you. He's still wild in that way. And Buffy says that she hasn't told Giles and the others that you're back yet. And this is weird for me because I just feel like Buffy, she says that they wouldn't understand. And Angel takes a moment because he, he says Giles' name, like he's remembering who that is and what he did to him almost. It's like, I like that they're piecing together Angel's memory, which is nice. They don't, they don't just jump into him being normal again. 
he's he's mm-hmm. taking time to adjust and get his memory back and remember uh but again like i think it's weird that buffy's saying she's not going to tell giles and willow at least because two episodes ago when giles fooled her into thinking there was a spell and then she finally told them that angel was resold before she killed him it, it just seemed like that was a safe space for them Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just, I mean, obviously the plot is the plot and we need to have some drama going on here, but it is interesting to me that Buffy's choosing not to tell Giles who her and him have a really good bond right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's Buffy is a little bit afraid because she doesn't know why Angel is back, right? That's the mystery is how did he get out of this hell dimension? Why is he back? And is he going to be the same angel? Sure. His soul is back, but he's being tortured for presumably centuries in this hell dimension. So I I think she's just thinking worst case scenario, like what is Giles going to say about this? And as she goes on to to tell Angel, right, she's like, I'm kind of moving on. I'm a senior now. I've got all this stuff going on in my life and I'm dating somebody. So I, I think Buffy is, you know, consciously or not, she's trying to keep the Angel part of her life separate from Mm. her slayer life but also her just her normal like high schooler life and the easiest way to do that is to keep him a secret that may not be the best thing to do but it's the easiest thing to do i like that explanation a lot because i was thinking also when buffy brings up i've got all this stuff going on in my life i'm a senior i'm working hard at school i'm gonna get into college and i'm seeing somebody i'm involved with somebody i was like wow buffy this guy just got out of hell for like hundreds of years probably and you're just gonna tell him that like just like drop that on him it's i mean so you gotta mean. rip off the band-aid right because otherwise he's gonna go in for the awkward kiss <laughs> yeah but this is the thing i think what you just said makes sense to me because it, it's like almost like she's telling herself this right she's like explaining to herself she's trying to convince herself she's like i'm still gonna help him but like i you know i've got other things going on now it's i don't need to go back to what this was which was heartbreak and terribleness and What's really sweet, though, is Angel reaches over and untucks her collar on her jacket. And I think that's just a very subtle way of him just being like, I still care about you. It's a very subtle little gesture, I think. So I saw that gesture differently. Um, I saw that as him kind of like remembering that he gave her the coat. Oh, is that Angel's coat? Was it not? I don't know. Maybe all other coats look the same to me, but. Well, no, no, it likely was. I didn't even think that way either. Ooh, right? I like that a lot better. So it's this connection of like the history that they have. He's like, why are you wearing my coat? <laughs> he wants it back because, <laughs> you know. We're not dating anymore. Give me back my stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's like, well, if you're involved with someone, give me back my fucking leather jacket. Give me back my Duran Duran CD. <laughs> Angel is getting a lot more petty since he's been back from hell. So Buffy says his name is Scott, just like rubbing that salt in. She's like, he's a nice, solid guy. He makes me happy. And that's what I need. Someone I can count on. Keep telling yourself that, Buffy. <laughs> then we swipe to school the next morning. And what is Scott doing? He's telling Buffy that we c- should not see each other Oh anymore. my God, Scott, you rascal. Scott. <sighs> Scott, ooh, if I could remember you most of the time, I'd be angry. (laughs) And Buffy's like, when did this happen? Like, where was I? And Scott says, before we were going out, you were full of life. You were this force of nature. And now you just seem distracted all the time. And Buffy's like, no, no, I'm going to get better. And she kind of like, 
she's like low-key begging him not to do it she's like i won't be distracted anymore like i'll be present and scott just says he's sorry he's like i'm sorry i'm really sorry and walks away and ooh, buffy ooh, this sucks for you because you were just convincing yourself that you had gotten on with your life your life was way better and you even told your ex-boyfriend this stuff and then boom you get dumped on a wednesday morning in the quad so I, on one hand, I was like, Scott, why in the morning? I think he, I think he had every right to break up with her, and he did it as gently as he could. But why in the morning at school? Definitely could have waited till after school. And then on the other hand, I was like, I hate when guys do this when they pursue the girl and like really want to go out with the girl, and then a couple of weeks later, they're the ones that dump the girl. <laughs> well, and this is like his first time broaching this, as far as we know, right? He's not really giving yeah. her a chance to improve. Exactly. He's just over it. He's like, you know what? This is complicated. And we could potentially be like, okay, Scott, your two best friends just got just murdered each other in the episode before. So maybe you're going through something too. But um, I'm I can't I'd, that mean we'd have to think a little bit more about Scott than we already have. <laughs> Who? Yeah. Where are we? <laughs> Someone's watching Buffy through binoculars as she gets dumb. Is it Xander? It's probably Xander's hired surveillance. <laughs> And there's a there's a van in the parking lot and there's two hunky twins and they're surveilling Buffy and they have like a TV and a VCR in that van and they dial some old man at, um, with a headset on and it's a big thing. There's stuff going on and he's like, is this her? And who's behind him? It's Mr. Trick, Mr. Trick, the vampire from two episodes ago and he calls Buffy in the nubile flesh, <laughs> my friend, that's the target. Cut to credits. So what is it about people in this TV show calling Buffy nubile? And men too, right? It's not like women are calling her nubile. Well, that would be, I think that would be even stranger. But it's like, what is this obsession with Buffy's nubility? Are you like going to breed the slayer? Like, what's going on here? She's ripe. She's ready for the plucking is what no. they're saying. <laughs> no, stop. You're making it worse, Steph. <laughs> so i here are my notes you can see i said a wiry guy <laughs> that's how i describe this man this is just a tall white man he is being told that the mayor will see him now Ooh, the mayor so he looks really nervous and he enters the room and now we meet this mysterious mayor who we've heard mm-hmm. mention of a couple of times now including in season two and the man who walks into the room is saying, I'm sorry to bother you. And he seems really nervous of him, but we don't know why, because from what we can tell from the mayor in the scene, he's really jolly, but there's this ominous music playing and he's like, oh, like he's like too nice. Yeah. He, he, he's creepy. Nice. It's the kind of niceness yeah. that's going to kill you. I love it. So, so anyway, the mayor's like, he's really polite. He's like, yo, I'm, I'm not bothered. And he sits down and the guy puts a folder on the mayor's desk and he, he, it's an image of the twins. And he's saying they were spotted three days ago. Frederick and Hans Gronstler wanted in Germany for capital murder, terrorism, the bombing of flight 1402. And he's like, I could, I could have came to you with a sooner, but I just wanted to be sure. And the mayor says, show me your hands. And the guy looks so scared and he puts his hands on the desk and there's a na- an, an envelope opener right on the desk too. And like, that's strategically put there, right? I'm like, oh my God, is something yeah. going to happen? Something violent? And that's, uh, again, the, the music is ominous and we're like, what's going on? And the mayor looks at his hands and says, I think they could be cleaner. And the guy's like, well, I, I washed them. I did. 
And the mayor is like, after every meal and under your fingernails, dirt gets trapped under there and germs and mayonnaise. His mother said that cleanliness is next to godliness. And I believe her. So in like, you know, COVID times as we are now, I totally get this. And the mayor is absolutely right. Germs are everywhere and we have to wash our hands and sanitize. But the mayor laughs and then he just says, I need these two to be put under surveillance, even though they're the ones surveilling. <laughs> now they're going to be surve- sur- surveilled, sur- surveillanced. Yes. Uh, the guy stands up and he's like, I'll take care of it. And the mayor says, you have all my faith. Okay. So yeah, again, this is a really interesting introduction to a character and we don't know if this is the bad guy of the season we don't know if he's you know we don't know what he is we know he's a bad guy i think we can i think we can take that much away from this right um but i think what we have garnered about the mayor so far from snyder because snyder is really the one person who talks about the mayor all the time the mayor is bad what we don't know is what's his angle so mm-hmm. is he bad in the sense of Sunnydale's my town and I don't want any other, you know, bad thing coming through and making trouble? In which case, maybe he's going to be a potential ally for us. Or is he bad in the sense of like, I have my own evil plot going on and I don't want that disrupted? Mm-hmm. We'll find out. It's school yearbook pictures. Yay! Cordelia, Xander, Willow, and Oz are all taking them. Willow and Xander are talking about what they're going to wear to homecoming. Willow really wants to wear something that's that makes Oz go, oh. And Xander says he's got a tux. And then they, they go to see Cordelia, who's staring intently at this girl. And she says she's checking out the competition for homecoming queen. And this girl that she's looking at is Holly Charleston, a nice girl brain dead does not have a chance (laughs) and then she points out another girl michelle blake who's open to all mankind especially those with letterman jackets and a car she could give her a run (laughs) oh just a little bit of slut shaming there a little bit but also cordy i think it's funny because cordy's slut shaming herself as well she's saying i would do that too (laughs) so willow says that buffy is going to miss her yearbook photos and xander says that buffy and faith are training in the library getting all sweaty and i was like ugh. and cordelia again is right there xander that is your girlfriend stop talking about buffy and faith in front of her and stop sexualizing them in front of your girlfriend how do you have a girlfriend at all why does xander get all these girls i don't understand why he's still in a relationship and also, why are they training in the middle of the day? <laughs> well, why is Faith here? Like, it, I'm very confused because she shows up at the dance later. Is she enrolled at Sunnydale High? And if so, like, who enrolled her? Who's her guardian? I have so many questions. Cordy says that she will go tell Buffy about the yearbook photos because she's heading that way anyway. She's got to go to the nurse's office to get an ice pack to shrink her pores. <laughs> so... As we said, Buffy and Faith are boxing in the library and Buffy is punching really, really hard. And Faith comments on that and says, oh, a guy should break up with you more often. It gives her an edge. But Faith is making Buffy feel better, right? She's just doing like she's being a good friend. She's like, you know, screw him. You move on. You party heavily. You'll be fine. (laughs) And she says, if Buffy still has tickets to the dance, why don't they go together? Because then they can find a couple of studs, use them and discard them. And that's always fun. And 
Buffy is like, okay, I'm in, but not about the stud using part, or probably not. And this is a cute little scene between the two of them. Obviously, they're getting along really well. Cordelia is about to enter the library, and that's when she sees two of her classmates and decides to go campaign and get them to vote for her instead. So she doesn't go and tell Buffy. Oh, Cordelia. Oh, Cordelia. Uh, We're on the quad, and Buffy is speaking to a teacher named Miss Moran and is telling her... That, you know, hey, I'm Buffy, I got kicked out of school, and now I'm back, and I need a glowing written recommendation from a teacher, and that's going to go on her file so she can prove herself. And this teacher has no idea who Buffy is. And Buffy is like, okay, but your class changed my life. And the teacher still can't remember her name. And it's like, were you absent a lot? And this is a big blow to Buffy, but even more confusing is that the class that Buffy says that she took with this teacher was contemporary American heroes. And I was like, what? (laughs) You're not taking like, you're not reading Romeo and Juliet like the rest of us did in grade 12? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this this is the US staff. So we Canadians, you know, we have to remember, uh, they got this weird nationalistic patriotic thing going on. And it's Oh, I would love to take contemporary American heroes. That's (laughs) something I would have taken in university for sure. But uh, Buffy got it for free from a teacher who doesn't know her name. And Buffy's super bummed about this. And she's in the cafeteria with the Scoobies as Cordelia campaigns uh, nearby. And Buffy was like, that was my favorite teacher. And she didn't know who I was. And I was like, your favorite teacher? Since when? (laughs) What about Jenny Calendar? Well, Jenny can't really write a letter. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no um yeah so buffy's saying i'm like a non-person am i invisible can you see me and i think it's cute she waves her hand in front of oz and oz says big as life <laughs> so buffy says that at her old high school she was the prom princess she was a fiesta queen she was on the cheerleading squad and the yearbook was basically a story of her So now it's senior year, and she's going to be one crappy picture on one-eighth of one crappy page. And Xander takes this moment to say, no, you're not, because you missed picture day. And Buffy's like, well, when was it? And Oz said it was yesterday. And Willow's like, "Like, didn't Cordelia tell you? Why did they trust Cordelia? Yeah, and why are they selling her out right now? So Buffy walks up to Cordelia and gets in her face and Cordelia starts to compliment her and Buffy's like, I'm not voting for you. And Cordelia's like, okay, then make it snappy. (laughs) And Buffy says like, why didn't you tell me that there were yearbook pictures? And Cordy says, oh, I guess I forgot. What's the big deal? And Buffy says, you could have thought about someone else for 30 seconds. And Cordy says she's under a lot of pressure. (laughs) And Buffy says, yeah, campaigning, rough gig. And Cordy says, what do you know about it? Just because you were guacamole queen (laughs) when you were three doesn't mean you understand how this works. And Buffy says, obviously, it involves handing out entirely lame flyers. And Cordelia says it involves being part of the school and having actual friends. And I paused there because I was like, newsflash, Cordy, Buffy's friends are your friends. And also, Buffy's friends like her more than you. And I think yeah, that's I pretty mean, clear. <laughs> Cordelia last season was really, really down out, right? And it, she's regained some of her confidence, which you know, good for her. But I, I, she's in like beast mode right now. She's just like, I'm mm-hmm. just going to say whatever's going to hurt Buffy. I don't really think she's paying attention to what's coming out of her mouth. 
Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's interesting too, that you said that because it's true. Like when did Cordy get popular again? Because as far as I know, she ditched the popular girls at the end of season two to be with Xander. So it is confusing where she's saying that she's got all this popularity and this, these friends, unless she's just, this is like her last ditch effort to pretend she's still relevant at school. And that's another reason why she's putting Buffy down so hard in this episode is because she's trying to hold on and grasp on to that idea of herself, that last little piece before she really can say that she is a loser Scooby like the rest of them. Mm-hmm. So Cordelia says, if it was about monsters, blood and innards, you'd be a shoo in. <laughs> Uh, but she says I'd like to see you try to win the crown and Buffy says then you will I'm going to show you how it's done I'm going to run for homecoming queen and I'm going to win and Cordelia says this is starting to be sad and Buffy says sorry Cordy but you have no idea what you're messing with and Cordy's like what the slayer (laughs) and Buffy's like no I'm not talking about the slayer I'm talking about Buffy you've awakened the prom queen within and that crown is going to be mine so this is so fun. <laughs> like, this is really fun. I like I like a little competition. I don't like that the girls are fighting with each other. Uh, that makes me sad. But mm-hmm. um, something about Buffy and Cordy being pitted against each other, like this is season one, as if like season two never happened. Uh, <laughs> sure, let's, let's live it up for this episode. Why not? You know? Yeah. Cut to the fireplace room. And Mr. Trick is saying, basically what I just said, competition is a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, this episode is very well aligned, right? Like, yeah. the way that they've organized the episode. Again, it's just, it's the writing, it's the editing, it's the acting, it all comes together. And he's saying, we all desire to win, whether you're a human, vampire, and then he sees this other demon, because there's a group of people in a, in a circle while he's doing this speech. And there's a demon there with like this yellow skin and like this fin. And he says, whatever the hell you are, you got them spiny looking head things. And I ain't never seen that before. <laughs> and this, this demon says, I am Kulak of the Mkwot clan. <laughs> and Mr. Trick's just like, okay. And keeps going. And lo and behold, Lyle Gorch is there. Remember the Gorch brothers? Remember bad eggs? <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm really glad that he comes back because, you know, Buffy killed Buff well, Buffy didn't kill his brother, but he blames Buffy for his brother <laughs> yeah. Tector's death. And How? he never got a fair crack at the Slayer. So, you know, I'm glad that he's rolling back through town and he's getting a second chance. It is nice to see Lyle Gorch back. He's got a woman with him. Apparently he went and got married to someone named Candy, and he had the, he's gonna blow their whole honeymoon stash on this little game here and mr trick is saying the, the game will begin in a few days first target is buffy the second is faith a little more elusive than buffy and he says they will both be together and ready for the killing and that is a money back guarantee so he says ladies and gentlemen spiny headed looking creatures welcome to slayer fest 98 Ooh, so exciting. Ooh, I love a good game show. And I really love Mr. Trick. I love that he's making a profit, getting Mm -hmm. rid of his enemies, and he's doing it in an entertaining way. Like, that's America. This guy is really Ah, going places. ah, He's a hustler. ah, ah, The corporate millennial in me is like, wow. (laughs) Yeah, well, he's a fun, like, villain, right? We've had some really serious villains. We had the master. We had Colin, who was just no fun at all. Like... 
you know, Spike was fun in his own way, but he kind of got sidelined. At first. And Jealous was, you know, he had his moments, but he was also a pretty serious, dour guy. Mr. Mm -hmm. Trick is just here for a good time. He, and like you said, he's going to make some money off of it. And his whole attitude is one of like, I'm just going to ride whatever wave comes next. And I like that. I, I really yeah. do. I respect that hustle. I, I think he is he's a new vampire for a new century. I love it. And I love the Slayer Fest 98 idea. It sounds like a rock concert, uh, but it's like, you know, <laughs> who would if I was a demon, who wouldn't want to sign up and watch this happen? It's like Hunger Games for Sunnydown. Okay. I love it. I'm going to I'm going to take this scene for you here, Steph, because I feel like you're going to want to jump in with some commentary here. I know you have a lot to say about what happens. What I actually need to do is I need to stand for the scene okay. because I can't sit. I'm going to just, just let me, let me lift my, just, I can't, I can't sit for this. I need, I need space and room to move. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like going down in my frame here. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. We are now uh, in Willow's room, which I got to say, first of all, Willow's room is big. Like that is a large bedroom for a teenager. So you go, Willow. <laughs> um, and Willow and Xander are there together. And mm -hmm. the first thing you notice, like the first shot is Willow's got one of those partitions set up for like changing behind. And then we <laughs> so we see that they're both kind of like getting ready, trying on their outfits for the homecoming dance. Xander, of course, only has the one outfit to try on because he's a guy. Willow, of course, has to agonize over her outfit. So she's trying on a bunch of dresses uh, or not even dresses like like the first one is like <sighs> it, it, it looks like a, it looks like she's wearing like a skirt and a shirt. But then she like undoes the she uh, she unbuttons the front of the shirt and you can see that the, the skirt was actually just like this slip. Yeah, and it's like, what is this? Willow, you're um, not going to go teach the computer class. Like, find a gown. <laughs> yeah, so she's getting Xander's feedback on these outfits, you know, and he's like, that one's nice. Um, and she's like, she's saying, she's like, I really want this to be a good experience for me because this is my first, you know, big dance. And not only is it her first big dance, but it's her first dance where she has a boyfriend. And her boyfriend is apparently in the band for this dance. So once again, Oz's band is getting all the sweet gigs, like Buffy's party. <laughs> Only band um, in town. Yeah. And now they're getting the homecoming dance, which is great. And they played at the cultural appropriation dance as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're getting all the gigs. Mm -hmm. um, and Xander is being his usual irreverent self, right? Where he's like, yeah, this is a really special dance. That's why I spared no expense on this tux. When you look at the tux and it's very clearly like the cheapest tux you could possibly rent. Mm-hmm. Uh, or no, sorry, he borrowed it. Yeah, he borrowed it, and he mentions that he 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 borrowed it because his only relations that have money shun his family as they should, is what he says. And I was like, ooh, another little window, a little peek into Xander's home life. Exactly, because we've only gotten a couple of glimpses into it in the past, not so much even in season two. But here he is saying basically that uh, his money, his family, a does not have money. And B are shunned by the rest of his family for some unknown reason we don't know yet. Well, and also Xander, um, we see that insecurity in him, right? Of how like he pretends not to care, but like Xander's dating a girl who cares very much about appearances. And that must create some tension as well. And I'm very curious to see where that goes. But mm. first, um, okay, Willow tries on another outfit. This one's kind of like, 
I don't know. Willow needs to work on her colors here. Cause like this next outfit is very monochromatic. It's just got like this big like pattern along the top. It's not as bad as the first one, but it's also just like, I don't know. It, it's not her. Then there's this cute little moment where she's like helping Xander with his, his bow tie because like most men, Xander's just completely helpless with ties. Um, <laughs> and and it, it's cute because the the scene is really trying to frame them as far more mature than they were in previous seasons, right? They're wearing these very adult get-ups. She's helping him with this tie. It's this whole ritual. It's this whole rite of passage. And the show is also reminding us at this point of how long their friendship goes back because Willow's like, this reminds us of eighth grade cotillion, which <laughs> didn't realize that was a thing in California, but okay. <laughs> okay. And so, you know, she's like, this reminds me of when you wore a clip-on bow tie and you can tell, like, remember, right, Willow had a crush on Xander. So she's kind of like, oh, yeah, Xander, like, you were really cute back then. But now she's all about Oz. And, and Xander, at this point, he, he makes a really interesting remark. He's like, face it, Will, you and I are going to be in neighboring rest homes while I come over so that you can adjust my... And he, he can't finish it because he's like, oh, I can't think of anything that's not really gross. Um, typical Xander. But mm -hmm. again, it's just this reminder, right, that like they've always been friends and they're always going to be friends. So Willow finishes fixing his tie and then she goes back. She's going to change again. Um, Xander, of course, loving to look at girls while they change, is able to see the outline of her body. Um, so it's interesting, the gaze that we get in the scene. That's the only reason that partition is there. Yeah. So another interesting conversation happening as Willow changes Xander is kind of prying and he's like, so you and Oz, where are you? Are you at second base yet? And Willow's like, it's none of your business. And Xander's like, yeah, I think you're at second base. Um, and so she, of course, says, well, what about you and Cordelia? And he says, well, a gentleman never talks about his conquests. And she's just like, um, who are you again, Xander? Because you've always <laughs> talked about your conquests. Or in some cases, you've talked about the women you haven't conquered, like Buffy, incessantly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Here we go, Steph. I'm bracing yeah. myself. Uh -huh. So Willow finally emerges. She's wearing a black gown, uh, like a full-length, sleeveless, black dress. Like, it's the kind of dress where if it were shorter, I'd say that's a funeral dress. Like, um <laughs> But the, the full, like, floor-length effect is, like, that's, that's a really nice gown. Like, that is a, like, why did you not start with that? Yeah, I mean, like, why did you think the, I don't know, grade one teacher look was what you wanted when this, you had this beautiful black right. gown right there? But I digress. Uh, so they're staring at each other. We have this <laughs> lovely little two-shot. And they stare at each other. They get closer. And they get closer. Um, and, you know... Xander, like, Willow's like, yeah, I know, I look nice. And Xander's like, I was going to say gorgeous. Um, so Willow comes back with, you too, but in a guy way. Uh, Xander's like, Oz is very lucky. And Willow says, so is Cordelia, but in a girl way. <laughs> Which I do, I do, I do love Willow's awkward this year. Yeah, and sure. Willow starts freaking out because she's like, I don't know if I can dance. I don't know if I can dance in this. I don't know. I don't know if I can do anything. And Xander's like, oh, okay. Like, I'm, you know, come here. I'll show you. So they start dancing in Willow's room uh, and they're dancing to this pop music that's been playing for like the whole scene. And I, I guess it's diegetic, but this is a problem because mm -hmm. Xander and Willow are in close physical proximity. 
and they start to slow dance. And what was originally just this awkwardness turns into real, like, sexual tension. And they get closer and closer, and they kiss. No, 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 no. There is no need for this storyline. There is, ooh, I'm so angry. Okay. Okay. Go for it. Okay, I'm, here it comes. They, uh, okay, we know that Willow had a huge crush on Xander all season one, most of season two. She had a huge problem when Xander started dating Cordelia. Fine. She moved on with Oz. Oz is a sweetheart. Oz has treated her with nothing but respect. He had her back. Even when she ha- was under the love spell with Xander, he had her back. And this treatment of Oz is ridiculous. This treatment of Cordelia is ridiculous, and I hate this storyline because, again, yes, Willow had feelings for Xander, and Xander almost had feelings for Willow in when she was bad, and then he kind of get, had that moment in Becoming Part 2 where he was realizing what she meant to him. So, yes, it makes sense for them to come back and touch upon this, but cheating, kissing each other... In this moment, in this episode, just because they saw each other in a gown and a tux, I don't understand this writing. I think it does a disservice to both of their characters. Yes, even Xander, who does a disservice to himself in every single scene that he's in. This is out of character, for Willow especially. And it makes me mad, because I I don't want to dislike Willow, but this is really, really low of her. And I get, okay, and here's the thing. I think my anger will be more justified later on as we continue in this in the season, I understand making a mistake. I do. And they're young and they're hormonal and there's always been these like unrequited feelings between the two in some way or other. But the, I have very little patience for this kind of thing. It's just like, why would you do this to two people who actually have done a lot of things to be with you and be sweet to you and care for you? And this is such a disrespect to those characters. I'm with you all the way, Steph. I don't really have much to add because you've said it so eloquently. As an aromantic asexual person, like I always am a little bit uncomfortable when shows decide that close friends like this suddenly need to have some kind of romantic attraction. I do understand, of course, like it is different because Willow was attracted to Xander initially. I get that. And I think we've had this discussion previously about well is Xander attracted to Willow like is there something there and he's just taking his time to realize it Mm -hmm. but I'm with you in the sense that the way that this is happening it's shoehorned into the season and this is not the last time we're going to talk about this not even in this episode because it gets worse Um, (laughs) so it it, yeah it's it's awkward it's uncomfortable for the audience and not in a good way and it's uncomfortable for these characters and Oz and Cordelia don't deserve this. (sighs) Why would they make us like Cordelia and Oz so much to do this to them? Because obviously, like, did the writers want us to dislike Willow and Xander? Well, I I think this is this is a symptom of something we will see throughout the series, which is these characters cannot be happy. Um, That's (laughs) Joss Whedon's M.O., right, is his, his idea of storytelling is a little bit simplistic in that he believes that in order for characters to be interesting, their lives must be principally suffering so that we have something to see them struggle against. You know, mm-hmm. this is his MO in all of his shows. And it's something that I've never really enjoyed 
about his shows. I've I've enjoyed the wit of his dialogue. I love, you know, all these stories he comes up with, all the twists. But because I'm a romantic at heart and I like, you know, people having happy endings and stuff, um, it it does bother me that he seems to think the best way to drive a story is, Allah, I'm just going to punch my characters more. And it's like, at the end of the day, you know, your characters are allowed to be happy and there can still be conflicts, dude. So, like, I'm not against Willow and Xander, like, this happening. I just wish it had been handled a lot better and in a way that, without going into spoilers, I wish it had been handled in a way that kind of, like, had a better kind of conclusion to it, if you will. Well, even in the lead up to it, right? Because right now, Oz and Willow seem really happy. Cordelia and Xander seem really stable for the last couple episodes. Like, where is this coming from? Yeah, like, if there was, like, a a rocky boat in both of those areas, like, even in the summer, right, when Xander and Cordy were off, that would have made a little bit more sense. But right Mm. now, it's just like they're being cruel for no reason. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so Xander and Willow, cover your ears, Steph. Mm-hmm. They kiss and they kiss and they like pull apart right away and they're like, oh my god, like what happened? And so there's this like awkward like back and forth where they're like, no, 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 like it happened, <laughs> but it didn't happen. I couldn't. Um, they're like, it's the clothes. Willow's like, it's a fluke. And she's like, that's what she calls it now, the fluke. And Xander says, you know, it's a clothes fluke. There will be no more fluking. Willow says, no, not ever. And they start to lean in again, like they're going to kiss again. and then they're like we gotta get out of these clothes um but of course that has a different meaning yes (laughs) so they're like no we don't mean like right now yeah Um, yeah. and the scene ends and (laughs) like this is a funny scene in some ways but for those of us who are very invested in these characters it just it does feel uncomfortable yeah and you you know what's interesting yeah what's interesting is that you just said it earlier too that xander um that xander has a lot of insecurities and cordelia doesn't and Xander was also obviously really attracted to Buffy, even Kendra and Faith. And obviously Xander likes to fill in those insecurities for himself through the powerful women that he's dating or that he's into. There's something about that pattern there that we can't Oh, miss. Xander can't keep it in his pants. Yeah, like Xander <laughs> yeah. being attracted to Willow right now is not about Willow. It's about Xander. Maybe we should wait until the next scene between them to talk about this because oh, it's what I he says. I know what you're going to say. But... Yeah, 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 yeah. But... No, I know. That's fine. Maybe we can continue this conversation into that scene. But like, I just it just occurred to me. I was like, you know, there's a reason why Willow's the one right now. Right. All of a sudden, Willow's happy and confident. And that's what it is. So let's leave Willow's room. I can't be in Willow's room anymore. We go to the library and Buffy has made. Oh, good. (laughs) Nothing bad ever happens in the library. Only the safe haven library. Okay, but again, remember I said at the beginning of the episode, a lot of the women I just wasn't big fans of in this episode, and this is another reason. Like, Buffy has this board, her competition board for Homecoming Queen, with Mm -hmm. pictures of the competition and, like, temperature sets, and the things that she wrote, the pros and cons under each girl, it's so mean. (laughs) And I was like, Buffy, like, under Michelle and uh, the other girl, who I can't remember her name right now, um... She wrote like bad skin, dandruff, too much makeup, where's polyester, introverts, no boyfriends, like stuff like that. And then under Cordelia's, she wrote no sense of humor. And I was like, have you met Cordelia? She's fucking hilarious. Okay. Right? She also wrote Brie. And then this made me laugh. She wrote Xander at the very bottom as a con. (laughs) Great, great, great. So 
Buffy is talking to Oz, Willow, and Xander. And ugh, when I saw Oz sitting next to Willow there, I was like, fuck you guys. Like, come on. Willow and, uh, and Xander are looking really guilty. And we might think it's because they kiss, but then they find out later. It's yeah, why? But Buffy is basically saying that this is just like any other popularity contest, that she's done this before. The difference is that this time she's not actually popular. But she says, I'm not unpopular because a whole because a lot of people came to my welcome home party and Willow's like, they were eaten by zombies. Yeah. Buffy wants Willow to work on a database to find out, you know, who's for us, who's on the fence, and where are the crisis areas. And she wants Oz to do the fringe people, the musicians, and those who aren't normally inclined to vote. And then she's just about to tell Xander what he she wants him to do when Cordelia comes into the library and Buffy goes up to Cordelia and she's like, this is a little awkward, but I don't see any reason why we can't all get along during campaigning. I mean, we're almost friends and we are all riding together in the limo. And Cordelia's just like, that's great. Willow, how's my database coming? <laughs> Willow's like, it's just about done. And Cordelia's like, Xander. And he says, I got your new flyers. And Cordelia's like, okay, let's get cracking. So this is funny because Xander stands up and in front of Buffy and just says, she's my girlfriend and walks away. Fair. Which is true. True. It's very true. And Willow looks even more guilty and says, she just needs it so much more than you do and walks away. And of course, Oz follows Willow. And I was like, okay, I understand Xander's position here. That is his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. A little bit of loyalty to Cordelia once in a while is all we ask for. And he's doing it here. Willow, on the other hand, I see no reason why she can't help both. But of course, she's feeling guilty about what happened the night before. So Buffy's left alone in the library, but she's not alone because Giles is there. And Giles is like, this is a lot of fuss for one little title. And Buffy is like, it's no fun if you don't try your best. And Buffy's like, it's not like anyone takes it that seriously anyway. And she breaks the bottle that she's holding because she's stressed. I'm actually surprised <laughs> that Giles is letting Buffy run. Sometimes he gets all like, you're a slayer kind of thing, you know? Well, I, I, I mean, I think Giles is really easing up on Buffy right now. She's had a really tough couple of months. And yeah. we don't see a lot of Giles in this episode. So I, I think that he's doing his best to allow Buffy to experience that high school senior life. Remembering, of course, that Faith is also there. So now he mm -hmm. has two Slayers to watch over. Faith, I, I'm getting the sense Faith is a, a handful. Um, <laughs> he's probably very busy with Faith. Yeah, and it's true. It, honestly, like Sunnydale's probably quiet right now, right? You got two Slayers patrolling most nights. Mm -hmm. I don't really think the vampires are out in force right now. So we're in the middle of this supernatural lull. Giles is probably catching up on his reading and his tea and, you know, his sex clubs. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, his uh, naked man cage clubs. So <laughs> we get a campaign montage and there are not enough of these in our lives, in my I opinion. Do, I, love... I love montages, listeners. If there's oh. one thing you want to know about me, it's that I love a good montage. Oh, montages are the shit. So Buffy and Cordelia are handing out flyers and talking to groups of students. And at the same time, during this montage, because it's a montage, we see all of the people who are competing in the Slayer Fest 98 games practicing with their weapons. So we see like a human who has a gun and he's like a hunter, I guess. We see Gorch and his wife making out and the twins are just like wrestling each other. <laughs> we see Buffy cover Cordelia with a poster of her own. 
and we see Kulak, the, the yellow demon. He has knives that come out of his arms and he throws them around. The question is, does he get new knives every time or does he collect the old knives? That's what I want to Yeah, that, that, I was thinking the same thing because later on he uh, abandons one of his knives. And it's like, has he lost this knife? Does he grow a new one? Like, is that part of his body? Or are those just like storage <laughs> compartments? That's what I was thinking. I was like, wow. So Buffy bumps into Scott. Remember Scott? I already forgot about him and drops her stuff and he picks it up for her and he's like, oh, I heard you were doing this. And she says something to pass the time. It's silly, really. And Scott is like, well, for what it's worth, I ha you have my vote. And Buffy says thank you and they part ways and Buffy just smiles, opens up her notebook and puts a check mark next to Scott's name. So I was like, was Buffy meaning to do that? Like, obviously, that was one of her ploys. Because I think right after that, she knocks into another guy and does the same thing. Like I don't, I don't think she she meant to do it the first time, but I think she got the idea after Scott picked oh. up her book, right? She's like, I'm going to try this again. Perfect. I love it. I love how Buffy just improvs like that. Um, I also want to say that, you know, that's the last time I think we see Buffy and Scott talk. So thus ends the most healthy relationship that Buffy will ever have. <laughs> I hate that you're right about that. With a sweet, forgettable Scott. So Buffy is in a Letterman jacket at one point, talking to a bunch of boys and checking off more boxes. She has baked a bunch of cupcakes and she's handing it out to students. The cupcakes look huge and delicious. Okay. I just need to ask at this point, did this happen at your high school? Campaigning? Like this, yeah. No, no, no. It was kind of like you would vote. Um, and then when you get to the dance, there would be like the ballot and you would vote there, but you wouldn't have to campaign. Right. Yeah, because right? this is, uh, again, yeah, this is just one of the, another one of those wonderful divergent experiences of Americans and Canadians. And I don't know, maybe in larger Canadian cities, it's like this, but it's like my school had fewer dances for one thing than, than Sunnydale does. Mm -hmm. um, but also like it was never as big a deal as this i don't remember if we had kings and queens and stuff but debt like nobody ever gave me a muffin in exchange for my vote and honestly i feel like i missed out so if they had i'd been like hell yeah i'm voting for you uh <laughs> i think it's more likely that, that people would run for student council as opposed to like you know yeah, a crown like this yeah I, again whenever I, I whenever i see this stuff right i'm always curious about like how much of this stuff actually matches what happened in high schools in the states Versus mm. how much of it is this mythological American high school culture that we see on TV, but isn't actually real. Yeah, um, like the big so, kegger party we saw in Dead Man's Party <laughs> without the zombies. Like, so listeners, do those happen? Write in if this is if this reflects your high school life, please, because I'd be curious to know. Yes, yes, yes. And if you ran for prom queen, did you use muffins or candy baskets as Cordelia does? Cordelia <laughs> comes in with this clutch move and like gets the, the students to throw the cupcakes in this bag and she gives them this basket of like goodies. Yeah. Everybody gets a whole basket and she came prepared with a garbage bag for the muffins. It's a, like Cordelia. I'm sorry, Buffy, but Cordelia's fucking schooling you. She's yeah. winning. She's doing so much better than her. And Willow runs into Buffy and is super stressed about this whole thing. Buffy's like, it's okay that you're helping Cordelia. We're best friends. I'm not going to hold it against you. And Willow's like despairing. She's like, I'm not a friend. I'm a rabid dog who should be shot. And of course, we know that Willow's also talking about what happened with Xander. She's like, there's forces at work here. Dark, incomprehensible forces. And Buffy guilts her, and I'm glad for Buffy. I mean, I don't think it's nice to manipulate your friend, but uh, Buffy's just like, I'm sure they're more important than all we've been through together or all the times that I've saved your life. 
And Willow's like, okay, what do you want? And Buffy's like, 15 minutes alone on your computer with Cordelia's database. Willow says it's okay. So as they're going through the database, we see that the twins are still surveilling Buffy. Buffy is walking with her arm around little guy Jonathan, who's eating one of her cupcakes. Oh, Jonathan. And she's like milking it. They've always, we've always had a special bond between you and me. <laughs> and Jonathan is just out, like, he's, he, he understands what's going on. He's just like, oh. I'm just going to be straight with you, Buffy. Cordelia gave me six bucks. <laughs> six whole dollars. Jonathan says, I can buy a whole lot of cupcakes with that. And I was like, can you? I feel like a like a really decent cupcake these days is like two bucks. Well, this was 1998, right? So this was a different time. Things were cheaper back then. It was possible for people to buy houses. Like, you know, <laughs> it was just a different time. Yeah. I know it's hard to imagine these <sighs> days, but now that cupcakes cost hundreds of dollars. <laughs> just like cupcakes growing out of trees in Sunnydale here. So Cordelia is talking to this group of nerds and she's saying she's talking about the Vulcan death grip <laughs> and she does it with her hand like the Vulcan um, like a Spock's greeting and she starts hitting one of them. <laughs> yeah, she's not she's not even doing the proper uh, she's greeting, not gripping which is him. not the death grip. And yeah. f- for the record, as a Star Trek nerd, I have to I am legally obligated to point out it's um actually it's the Vulcan nerve pinch sometimes <laughs> referred to as the neck pinch. Nerd alert! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, well, it's funny because like, Cordelia takes her hand and she's like hitting the guy on the forehead with it. <laughs> that's why I love Cordelia because it's really shameless, but and that's why she's winning. That's why it's great. And Buffy says, oh, so you're, you are giving out money, huh? And Cordelia says, is that any more tacky than your faux, I'm shy but deep campaign posters? And Buffy's like, yes! <laughs> Uh, and Cordelia, so this, ooh, this fight. Cordelia says that she doesn't see why Buffy's pathetic need to recapture her glory days gives her the right to splinter her vote. And Buffy says, how can you think it's okay to talk to people like this? Do you have parents? And Cordelia says, yeah, two of them, unlike some people. <gasps> Wow, that was such a bitch thing to say. That was really cruel for no reason. And Buffy says, your brain isn't even connected to your mouth, is it? And Cordelia goes on to say, why don't you do us both a favor and stay out of my way? And she goes to push past Buffy, which I think Cordelia definitely would have did this to any other girl in the school, right? Like like hit her on the shoulder and walk away. But of course, Buffy's like a tank. And grabs Cordelia's arm and says, don't you ever do that again. And I'm like, I agree. I'm like, Cordelia, don't touch her, right? Like, don't don't try to hit her, even if she is a slayer and she can well, take it. That's not I'm, the point. Yeah, like, Buffy could snap Cordelia's wrist right now, right? And yeah. I saw a latent threat in that. Mm-hmm. You know, and this reminder that Buffy is one bad decision away from using her slayer powers in a not so good way. Yeah, and um, I do think Cordelia started this. And Cordelia says, you're sick, you know that? And that's when Xander and Willow come up. And Xander says, let's not say something that we'll regret later and starts to like pull Cordy away. And Cordelia calls Buffy a crazy freak. And Buffy calls Cordelia a vapid whore. And again, like I, I get that girls got to fight sometimes in these shows, right? But Well, okay. Okay, but here's my take on this. Neither of them, this isn't really their fault. This is society's fault because the whole weird concept of homecoming king and queen, other than being 
rigidly within a gender binary is also just like it's pitting women against each other it's saying Mm -hmm. only one of you can be the prettiest best you know girl in the school fight so this is just you know it it is it's a microcosm example of the way our society pits women especially conventionally attractive successful women against each other you can't be allies you have to be enemies because there can only be one of you who's successful and even using the the language of like vapid whore to shoot that at cordelia where you know characters been shooting stuff like this at cordelia this whole time but it is the writers it is society that's saying that that's an okay thing for buffy to retaliate with and i don't like it Xander drags Cordy away and and we cut back to Willow's room where Xander and Willow are sitting on her bed holding hands. No, they hold hands later, but they're talking about what they can do. Xander thinks they're talking about the two of them and Willow's trying to talk about Cordelia and Buffy. And Xander says, oh, it's like I'm seeing you for the first time. And it's like, ugh. So that's the comment that I mentioned earlier when we were talking about kind of where Xander's feelings are coming from. And I'm like, well, Xander's not into Willow for Willow. Xander's into Willow for him. When he says, it's like I'm seeing you for the first time, it's because up until this point, and you said it really well, Willow hasn't been the type of girl who's going to make him feel better about himself. He went after Buffy. He went after confident Cordelia. Now he's going after confident Willow. And that's what bothers me is Xander's not here to support Willow the way that Oz is, right? Oz has been here from the very first time that he and Willow talked. He's been here to support Willow for who she is and listen to her and give her space. Xander is all about me, me, me. It's the first, I'm seeing you like this for the first time. I want to kiss you. I want to sit next to you, right? And he doesn't give space. He doesn't make space for the people in his life like this. And he's he's not giving Willow the option to do what she wants to do. He's I don't want to say he's forcing himself on her, but he is making this entirely about his feelings and his hormones. And let's not forget that the reason Willow has come, one of the big reasons why Willow has come into herself and gained this confidence is because of her relationship with Oz, which helped her feel more like an adult and less like the little kid that we were introduced to. At the beginning of the series, so oh, this is this is why these, like this this decision and this storyline is really hard to watch because it's like I just don't like I don't like all the the different meanings behind what they're doing and what it means for the character and for the show and for their their relationships. So Willow is saying, "What are we going to do? We have to do something. It's all our fault." And Xander says, "How do you get from chick fight to all our fault?" And I was like, Ugh, Xander. It's it's like it, these are your not only is this one of your best friends and your girlfriend fighting and you should care about that and not belittle it into a chick fight. Be more sympathetic toward the women in your life, please. And Willow says they felt so guilty about the fluke that they had that they overcompensated for Cordelia and spun the whole group dynamic out of orbit. And Xander says, well, think of something. You're pretty damn smart and I'm just in hell. I thought being a senior at last and having a girlfriend at last would have been a good thing. Why wouldn't that be a good thing? Willow's staring at him like, (laughs) ugh. And she says, when you're falling to pieces, your mouth does the sweetest thing. You mean say chick fight? (laughs) Ew. So they're, yeah, they're holding hands and Willow says, what are we going to do? 
Xander says we have to get the two of them communicating, and Willow says I'm talking about us. There is no us, Willow. <laughs> There's a you and Oz, okay? Stop it. Stop it now. Stop this now. If I could reach through my screen and just, like, smack them, <laughs> I would. So Buffy's in a red dress, and this is why this is so iconic. Her and Cordelia have, like, body glitter on. And I didn't notice that. Oh, get, go watch it again. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to see. It's a sight to see. And it's because, like, back in the day, like, oh, body glitter was so cool. <laughs> I don't think I'd like I, that because it would make a mess everywhere. It does make a mess, but it makes your, like, you're a twilight vampire sparkling in the sun. So um, Buffy gets into the limo, and inside the limo is Cordelia. And Buffy says, where's Faith? And Cordelia hands Buffy a letter, and Buffy reads it out. It says, Dear Cordelia and Buffy, we won't be riding the, to the dance with you. We want you to work out your problems because our friendships are more important than who wins Homecoming Queen. Love your friends. P.S. The limo was not cheap. Work it out. <laughs> this is actually, like, a good plan. I gotta be honest, you know. It's a, it's a great plan, and that is the one of the most accurate notes that a friend would leave that i think the show's ever done like it's just like that's exactly what someone would write into their friends and um there are two corsages there cordy says she took the orchid and as they drive away we see that the driver is one of the twins Ooh. and this this is honestly for me this is where the episode kicks off like everything up until this point has been fun but the next however many minutes left in the episode because it's, it's i think we're a little over halfway at this point this is the real deal. <laughs> like, so so basically what happens uh, if we, we just want to move forward here is the, the limo's driving. It's taking a while to get there. Buffy and Cordelia bicker over the whole corsage thing because Cordelia took the orchid and Buffy's like, no, it's fine. It matches your sallow complexion. Ooh, <laughs> shots fired again. Aye, um, aye, aye. So the limo stops and they're like, Buffy's like, finally. And then we hear the driver's door open and close. And we hear like footsteps like running away. So this guy's booking it. And Buffy's like, what's going on? So she gets out. Cordelia, of course, follows her because Cordelia is not going to be, you know, left behind. And they're in the middle of nowhere. They're just in this forested area on a dirt road. And nearby, I love this. There's a TV and a VCR set up. And it just says, press play. Like instructions. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, like, basically, we, the, Buffy presses play. We see Mr. Trick come on the TV. He's in front of some kind of curtain. He's looking good. And he's saying, hello, ladies. Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. And he, he gives this little speech about how, as in most of life, there's the hunters and the hunted. Can you guess where you two fall? <laughs> and he tells them that they had 30 seconds from the beginning of the tape, so 17 seconds now, thanks, um, <laughs> yeah. to run for their lives. He addresses Buffy directly, and the camera looks at Buffy. And then he says, Faith, and the camera cuts to Cordelia. Uh, and then the camera cuts to back to the TV, and it displays a really, like, for the time, high-quality Slayer Fest 98 logo. I'm like, he got a <laughs> logo made. He worked really hard on this. <laughs> right? I would I would invest. Mr. Trick, uh, I will invest in your next startup idea because I believe in you. Yeah. And what he, he says, have a nice death. But what he should have said was, may the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Mr. Trick, host the next Hunger Games, please. But oh, this amazing. is the thing. This is what I love is. So we are realizing at this point that 
they've mistaken Cordelia as Faith, because as far as they knew from their surveillance, Buffy and Faith would be riding the limo together, they know Faith is a brunette. So it's like a case of mistaken identity, always gotta love it. Mm -hmm. And this is what I love, is whenever this show has Buffy and somebody who isn't superpower, and they're thrown together, not meaning to be together, and there's tension, it, it always works out so well. It's just, it's funny, and it's fun, and it's great to watch, and that's what the rest of these scenes are going to be. Mm-hmm. So I just, I can't wait to talk about it with you, because it's just so much fun. So the scene ends with Cordelia yelling <laughs> out just to the night air. She's like, hello, how stupid are you people? She's a slayer. I am a homecoming queen, because it is, of course, again, all oh. about them. So then the TV explodes, and yeah. uh, they run. They're, like, running into the woods. Okay, why? I would just get back in the car and drive. Somebody's shooting at them. They don't have get the keys. In the car. Hot wire it. Giles can do no, it. No, I think they made the right call. You run into the woods. You try, you try to, like, get away from what's going on here. But we also, we have to cut to the dance real quick where Willow and Xander are looking absolutely miserable as they should. Good. Um, good. Exactly. I'm, I hope you guys feel bad. I hope they suffer. I want them to suffer. You know what? If they don't suffer a little bit, um, I'm going to quit this show and this podcast. <laughs> Please don't. No, no. I won't. Of course I won't. That's an empty threat. You're bluffing. <laughs> Lies. Lies, you are, How would you get through your week without some Xander slander? Come on. I don't know anymore. I don't even know what my life was before we started this podcast. <laughs> so, so Oz's band is playing. Willow and Xander are friggin' miserable. Faith notices how mopey they are and is like, what's up? And Xander's like, we're grooving to Oz's band. He's a great guy, Oz. And Willow says, he wrote the song for me. Ooh, <laughs> fuck you. Fuck it's, you. It's supposed to be like, if they were happy, right, Willow would be like, he wrote this song for me, but she says it like somebody died. And that's the, the verbal irony there, right? Ugh. So Faith sees Scott dancing with another girl, and she says, sleazebag, and takes off. And Giles comes up behind Willow and, and Xander and says, the two of you seen Buffy? Something terrible has happened. And then they look at him, he's like, just kidding. Thought I'd give you a scare. <laughs> Are those finger sandwiches? And then he takes... Giles is high. Giles got high for the dance. Absolutely. So <laughs> we go to the forest and Buffy and Cordy are running. And I love this because Cordy is saying, again, she's like, talk to these people and explain that I'm not the Slayer. They'll let me go. <laughs> no, Cordelia, no. But it's cute that you think that. It's so cute. And it's funny that, okay, Cordelia saves Buffy's leg. Buffy steps at a bear trap, and it's Cordelia who says, don't, and she steps away from it, and just as it snaps well, I shut. think, yeah, but I think that's Buffy's slayer reactions, because her leg's, like, in the trap. Cordelia yeah. yells, out, yells out, and Buffy manages to extricate her leg before the trap's that snaps shut. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, the way I was, when I was watching, it looked like she was moving, like, with slayer speed. Yeah, no, I think she, for sure, it was her slayer reaction, but the, f- the point is, Cordy's the one that saw it first, and she was, yes. like, you know, helped her, and I loved that. And um, that's when the hunter guy jumps out and shoots at them, and Buffy knocks Cordelia over and throws the bear trap at the guy, and it hits him, and he steps into another bear trap and screams in pain. Amateur move, getting caught in your own bear trap, dude. Yeah, what are you, why are you shooting your gun right next to it like shouldn't it be closer to the prey but anyway buffy grabs his gun 
And I love this because she's like, now I can let you out of there or I could put a bullet in your head. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) Badass. I know. And she's like, how many are in this little game and what are they packing? And she cocks the gun and he gives away the farm. He's just like, okay, it's me. Two Germans with AR-15s and a grenade launcher, a yellow-skinned demon with long knives, a vampire couple from Texas named Gorch, and the Germans are wired. Their boss is tracking them on a computer. Now get me out of this. And Cordelia starts to say, could you tell your friends that I'm not? <laughs> and then Kulak's knives hit the tree next to them and they run. And I was like, Kulak, you've been practicing for days. It's terrible aim. <laughs> You gave away your location. It is dark outside, right? That, you know. <laughs> Back at the dance, Faith interrupts Scott and his date and says, great news. The doctor says that the itching and swelling and the burning should clear up and we have to keep using the ointment. And then she like, you know, pats him and then walks away, leaving Scott and his date feeling really awkward. She says hi to his date first. Yes, she, she does. Okay, so I do. I like the solidarity here. Faith has proven nothing but a good friend in this episode, which is great. But I do, okay, I don't know. I mean, what is going on with my life where I'm like, oh, I feel bad for poor forgettable Scott here because I don't think what he did to Buffy was that mean. I think it was honest. I disagree. No, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I, well, I agree that he wasn't mean to Buffy, but him just like, oh, he suddenly had another day for home. Come on, come on. He was eyeing up this other girl, and then he broke up with Buffy and asked this girl oh, homecoming. Oh, okay. Like this, yeah, if this that's is the why story. he's a sleazebag. He's not a sleazebag for breaking up with Buffy. He's a sleazebag for moving on so quickly and so smoothly. Okay, okay. See, that, see I read that differently because I was like, okay, he, he ended things with Buffy. You know, maybe not, you know, in the morning was not ideal. But he did end them, and he was said he was very sorry, and he was really polite to her later. So I'm like, that's fine with me. And the fact that he moved on really quickly, well, him and Buffy weren't really like... You know, it's not like they had this epic romantic moment together. It's like they, they had a couple smoochies. They went on like five dates and that was Rubbing it. Rubbing right? in Buffy's face. He's like, I got another <laughs> girlfriend already or date at least. Like, no, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm on Buffy and Faith's side here. Scott, you're dead to me. May we never mention Scott again. <laughs> So um, Giles is talking to Xander and Willow who are sitting by the, by the wall or something and just looking like they're just like not even sitting together. They're facing away from each other, really unhappy. And Giles comes over. He's been eating the finger food. He's like, I think this contains actual fingers. <laughs> like, Giles, you are so high. And he's like, I'm going to retreat to the library until coronation. I want to be here when Buffy, you know, however it turns out for her. And I'm like, aw, dad, like you want to come see if, you know, Buffy won <laughs> homecoming queen. Yeah, I also like that Giles nice. is just abandoning his chaperone duties or whatever, right? Because <laughs> like, that's why he's at the dance. He wouldn't want to be here otherwise. So clearly he's getting paid to supervise. But now he's just going to like skive off. <laughs> Giles did a lot of drugs in his car before he entered the dance. Then he got the munchies and ate a lot of the finger food. And now he wants to go have a nap. Like there's the guy, like I understand. I totally relate to this. So he's like, you know, you, you two did a fine thing by putting Buffy and Cordelia together and he gives Xander the extra finger food that he's holding and he leaves. And uh, Xander's like, They've been gone for a while. They must be getting into it, like referring to Cordelia and Buffy. And speaking of them, they found a cabin in the woods. And uh, Buffy is securing it, the windows, and putting boards up. And she tells Cordelia to find a weapon, but Cordelia is spinning. And she's like, I'm going to die. And Buffy says, you will if you just stand there. 
And Cordelia's like, I'm never going to be crowned homecoming queen. I'm never going to graduate from high school. I'm never going to know if it's real between me and Xander or some temporary insanity that makes me think that I love him. And I was like, ooh, Cordelia, lean into that. Lean into that feeling, please. That it's just insanity, insanity. And Cordelia says, I'm never going to get a chance to tell him. And Buffy says, yes, you are. We're going to get out of here. We're going to get to the library where Giles and the rest of the weapons live. Then I'm going to take out the rest of these guys just in time for you to congratulate me on my sweeping victory as homecoming queen. (laughs) And Cordelia says, I know what you're up to. You think if you get me mad enough, I won't be so scared. Hey, it's working. Where's a damn weapon? (laughs) And then she goes and starts looking through all the drawers. And... Buffy takes that opportunity to ask her, do you really love Xander? And Cordelia says, he grows on you like a chia pet. (laughs) What I like is that Cordelia finds a spatula and she brings it over to Buffy and she says, it's just this and a telephone. And Buffy's like, a telephone? And you didn't think that would be helpful? And Cordelia's like, no, this would be better. And she starts like waving the spatula around like a weapon. Yeah, she's like flailing it around. (laughs) So the physical comedy, of course, is hilarious. Uh, Charisma Carpenter, you are not being paid enough. And Mm. this is what I'm talking about. Like the dialogue, all of the lines here from, you know, you think if I get mad enough, I won't be scared. And it's working to, (laughs) um, you know, like, oh, I've got a spatula. (laughs) No, it's better than a telephone. It's just like chef's kiss. Yeah. Just the whole, the dynamic. I love it so much. It's so enjoyable. And when she's waving it around, then she goes, oh, because she realizes (laughs) I love Cordelia so much. So the old man back at the fireplace room is talking to Mr. Trick and he's saying, you're about to see why Daniel Boone and that idiot demon are creatures from the past while I am the future. And he's got some sort of like sonar thing. He's got like this really useless looking tech that's going to track the slayers. So Buffy's leaving a message for Giles using the phone and then it goes dead And the hunter that's leg is still caught in that trap. And I was like, isn't this your thing? Don't you know how to open the trap? Right? Like, I'm confused. This seems like an oversight. This guy's not a very good hunter. No, he sucks. He's You know who's a better hunter? Um, The guy from Phases, the misogynistic one. Yes, Kane. Kane. Let's get him back. (laughs) He could have been in this. Yeah, but Kulak, who's my new favorite character, uh, runs by him and is like, you want me to cut the leg off? (laughs) I mean... He, he thought he was being a nice guy offering. Good for you, Kulak. Like, you could have just kept going. Yeah, this is, and this is just our little check-in to see who's still in the running. The hunter's out because he's got no leg anymore. Um, Kulak is still searching, so are the twins. Giles goes to the library, and he starts to listen to Buffy's message, and then it cuts away from him. Cordelia is asking Buffy why, whenever she goes somewhere with her, it always ends in violence and terror. <laughs> And Buffy's like, welcome to my life. I like what Cordelia says. And she's like, I don't want to be in your life. I want to be in my life. And Buffy says, well, there's the door. Please feel free to walk out at any time and live your life. And Cordelia says, all I wanted was to be homecoming queen. And Buffy says, that's all I wanted too. And Cordelia's like, I don't get why you care about homecoming when when you are doing stuff like this. And this is where Buffy gets her little monologue. And she says... Yeah, but this is all I do, and this is my what my life is, and you couldn't understand. I just thought that homecoming queen, like, I could pick up a yearbook someday and say I was there, I went to high school, I had friends, and for one moment, I got to live in the world, and there'd be proof that I was chosen for something other than this. And I was like, ooh, okay, okay. You know, this actually makes a lot of sense to me, because 
season two, we played a lot with Buffy choosing between her slayer life and her home life and her, her, you know, her teenage girl life. And that was a big theme of that Mm -hmm. season. And it is carrying into this a little bit where I I almost at the beginning of the episode, I was almost thinking, shouldn't we be past this Buffy? Isn't this something that you would have dealt with, you know, last season, but not this season? But it's so true with the fact that she tried to partition away Angel versus her new life with Scott. And Mm -hmm. she's trying to win a homecoming thing, but she can't. She ends up in Slayer Fest. Even though she's embraced her slayerhood a lot more, that doesn't mean that she doesn't have those needs and wants as a, as a teenage girl to have these moments, a normal boyfriend doing her homework at home and winning homecoming queen. Like, it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Buffy says, besides, I look good in a tiara. <laughs> so that's when Kulak jump, jumps through the window. <laughs> and attacks Buffy with his knives and Cordelia is slapping him with the spatula. Yeah. Like honestly, like again, this episode is gold. If you how ha- if you haven't watched it with us this week and you're yeah. listening to the episode, pause it. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're driving. Break out your phone, watch this episode. Um cuz you need to see this before we discuss it cuz it's just that good. This is the funniest thing that Cordelia's done since her fish speech in Go Fish. Like, she's just wailing on this guy with the spatula, and Buffy is fighting him, and um, he drops the gun, and Buffy says, Core, the gun! And Cordelia picks it up, but then shoots, like, a bottle on the wall. (laughs) And Buffy's like, Cordelia, the spatula! (laughs) It's like, yeah, go back to the spatula, it's more your speed. So... Anyway, Buffy's kicking Kulak's ass and the the twins load up the grenade launcher and the old man on the the phone is like, you know, telling them the coordinates and he says, launch. And they launch the grenade, which lands in the shack. Buffy grabs Cordelia and jumps out the window with her. Kulak also tries to jump out a window, but he chooses the one that's all boarded up. <laughs> so he falls which, back. Uh, again, hilarious. <laughs> he, he like, he's gonna, he nears Buffy's movement. But yeah. he hits the boarded up window, bounces back, lands right next to the unexploded grenade, looks at it, makes this noise, and then we cut to the exterior shot of the cabin blowing up. And it's like, Kulak, we barely knew you, man. <laughs> yeah, we didn't we we barely knew him and we wanted to know so much more. We we, we wish he was the big bad of the season. And um yeah, Buffy and Cordelia were thrown to the ground, but they get up and Buffy's like, library, and they run. At the library, though, that's where Lyle Gorch and his new wife, Candy, are in the are, are playing with the crossbow and the weapons. And the wife is saying that she wants to kill Buffy as a wedding present for what happened to his poor brother, Tector. <laughs> and Lyle says, oh, she'll show. This is her watcher. And as soon as she gets rid of some of the competition, she'll come. And we see that Giles has been knocked out. <laughs> Uh, again. <laughs> Giles, you, you gotta go to the hospital, man. This is not healthy. Okay, but was he already passed out when they got there? <laughs> no. No, he wasn't, because he knows that Buffy's in trouble. This yeah. is smart. Like, go Gorge. I wouldn't have given you the credit for this. Like, this is a good move. You know, it's almost out of character how good a move it is. Well, I feel like he stepped up his game because I Lyle was always the smart one, right? Tector yeah. wasn't the not so smart one. But right. I feel like Lyle st- has stepped up his game, right? He's like, I can't let the Slayer get the better of me. You know, she fooled me that one time with the big <laughs> eye monster and uh, not going to let that happen again. <laughs> well, didn't Giles say when we first met them in Bad Eggs, he's like, they're not the greatest scholars of our time or something like that. 
<laughs> well, now what do you think of that, Giles? He knocked you out. So the old man is still tracking the Slayers, and he says they're heading back into town. And Mr. Trick is saying, oh, they got away. Give it up to the Slayers. They got characters. So he's, like, impressed with them. But not for long, because a knock is at the door. Mr. Trick goes to answer it, and a bunch of cops come in and take him away. Um, Buffy and Cordelia are in the hallways of school and they're basically saying that the Germans keep finding them. When they get into the library, Buffy is immediately attacked by Candy. Lyle is watching as his wife fights her and she actually does like a pretty good fight, this Candy woman. And Cordelia throws Buffy the spatula. (laughs) Which is so great. And uh, we think it's useless, but turns out Buffy's able to stake candy with it and as she dusts lyle's like oh candy (laughs) and he goes after them and candy managed to knock buffy over um onto the ground and actually i think she was like passed out for a second and he goes up to them and says i'm gonna kill you slayers for this do you hear me and cordelia chase gets up in his face and says i hear you you rednecked moron (laughs) he starts to threaten her like oh i'm gonna and she says what rip out my innards play with my eyeballs boil out my brain and eat it for lunch listen up needle brain buffy and i have taken out four of your cronies not to mention your girlfriend and he's like wife and she's like whatever the point is i haven't even broken a sweat see in the end buffy's just the runner-up i'm the queen you get me mad what do you think i'm gonna do to you and then she steps up into his face and he's just like, later, and leaves. Well, he tips his hat again, right? So it's the same. It's a recapitulation of what happened in Bad Bad Eggs, where, again, Lyle sees Buffy emerge from killing the Bazaar. And he's literally just like, later, and he leaves. So once again, Lyle Gorch has failed to kill the Slayer or or any of the Slayers. And um, I love this. Like, well, this, that's the best line of the episode in, in as far as I'm concerned, right? Yes. Because Cordelia is leaning into the fact that he thinks she's the other slayer. She's mm-hmm. being fearless. You know, she has no ability to take on Lyle Gorch, but she takes him on anyway. And she uses her brains to defeat him. Because Cordelia is fucking badass and brilliant. And remember how much kudos we gave, well, how much? Remember we gave Xander kudos in Killed by Death when he stood up to Angelus and we're like, that's a really brave thing to do. Well, this was a really brave thing for Cordelia to do. And the fact that she's doing it to protect Buffy, Cordelia is a Scooby and Cordelia is brave and a, a hero. And I love this for her. And I love that she got up in his face. It's so fun to watch. And just like Lyle saw Buffy emerge from the pit, the oily pit of that demon after hacking it to death, and he got scared and left, he gets scared of Cordelia now and leaves. So I love to see it. And um, luckily, Giles is awake (laughs) and cleaning up the library as Buffy tells Cordelia that uh, that'll teach him to mistake you for a slayer. And Giles is saying that he feels responsible because he was the person who gave the Scooby's tactile approval to make the switch with the limousine. And Cordelia says, yeah, and we got these free corsages. <laughs> and Giles says they never mentioned that. And that's when Buffy realizes that the Germans are tracking them through the corsages. Buffy says, I need some wet toilet paper. And this is when the two German twins have their night goggles on and they're walking through the halls of Sunnydale High, which are not that dark. <laughs> and the old man is talking in their ears, basically, and saying... 
where the target is. And they see Buffy run across the hall and they shoot at her. And then one follows her into the classroom. And as he's in there, the the old man is saying, we have them both in range, hold position and fire when ready. Buffy throws corsages of wet toilet paper on the back of the one in the classroom. And then they immediately start shooting each other. (laughs) Which is clever. Good job. I love it. Yeah, I love it. And they die. And the old man is like, I won. (laughs) So, okay. Another school shooting. Another school shooting on the night of dance. Uh, Two dead bodies as well. We never find out what happens to those dead bodies or what. This is the last we see of them. Uh, Very strange. Very strange night. We cut to the mayor's office where Mr. Trick has been brought. And the mayor introduces himself as Richard Wilkins. And he says, you're Mr. Trick. And Mr. Trick sits down and the mayor says, hey, that's an exciting suit. And Mr. Trick says, clothes make the man. (laughs) I like that. I like that quote a lot. And the mayor says, but you're not a man, technically. And the mayor says he's been mayor for quite some time. And he likes things to run smoothly. This is a very important year for him. Mr. Trick says election year. And the mayor says something like that. Ooh, what does that mean? I don't know. Ooh. So Mr. Trick says, is this the part where you tell me I don't fit in here in your quiet little neighborhood? Well, you can skip it because that all got old long before I was a vampire. And I was like, wow. So again, just a reminder for anybody who's listening who maybe hasn't watched the show in a while, uh, hasn't seen the episodes yet. Mr. Trick's a black man, right? He's a black vampire. Um, so obviously he's referring there to the racism that black people, um, experience in America, especially in this case, yeah, things like redlining and, Mm -hmm. um, all of the, the ways that black people have been pushed out of the nice white neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really cool. It actually kind of makes me wonder like how old do you think he is? And I, it'd be really interesting if he got turned in the 60s or 70s or sometime in that yeah that would be my guess from how Mm -hmm. he acts i think he was probably like either just before or during the civil rights era i don't think he's Mm -hmm. too old because i don't think he'd be as cool if he he were much older um yeah so i I think he's been kicking around for at least like 50 years at this point yeah so the mayor says children are the heart of the community. They need to be looked after, controlled. The more rebellious elements need to be dealt with. And the children are our future. We need them. I need them. And Mr. Trick is saying that if this rebellion is what I think it is, that problem may be taken care of tonight. And that's when the mayor compliments him on Slayer Fest because clearly he knows about it. And he says, that's the kind of initiative I need on my team. And Mr. Trick says, what if I don't want to be part of your team? And the mayor says, that won't be an issue. You and I are going to get along very well. And then he offers him a moist towelette. So yeah, like, okay, cool alliance right now. We already said we like Mr. Trick a lot. And the fact that the mayor is like this intriguing, mysterious new villain. It's like, ooh, okay, we're we're getting a team together. I like it. Well, and so the master was manager villain. Spike and Angel were kind of like chaos villains. The mayor is dad villain. <laughs> Uncle. Right? Uncle villain. He's, he's got this whole affable dad personality to him where he's like, I'm just going to take care of everybody and kill them if they get out of line. Yeah, it's very interesting. I, I, I mean, maybe it's a bit too soon to say, but he just looks like he's going to be likable and terrifying. 
So yeah, I'm with you. We cut to the gym uh, where they're about to announce homecoming queen. Buffy, Cordelia, and Giles show up, and they look rough. Like Buffy and Cordelia are obviously filthy and bleeding, and Giles has a huge bruise on his head. And Xander's like, "What did you do to each other?" <laughs> and Buffy says, "Long story." Cordelia says, "Got hunted." And Buffy's like, apparently not that long. But then Buffy gives Cordelia a really nice compliment and says, I'll tell you one thing, though. You don't want to mess with Cordelia. And that was very sweet. But unfortunately, we got to remember that Xander and Willow cheated on Cordelia and Xander laughs nervously. Devin, remember Mitch from the band? Devin, for some reason, is announcing prom queen. (laughs) How old is he? Did he not also graduate? Well, he's part of the band, right? That's why he's there. But yes, oh, I'm with you. Oh, yes, true. I true, think true. it's fun that... Uh, would it have been funny if Snyder had to do it? <laughs> yeah, or I guess they could have asked Miss Moran to come and do one last <laughs> little cameo. But um, Cordelia is saying, after all that they've been through tonight, this whole who gets to be homecoming queen seems pretty. And then Buffy says, damn important. And she's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, another great line. <laughs> Love it. So... Devin says, I believe for the first time for Sunnydale High, we have a tie. And we're like, oh my God, yay, they both won. And then he says, the winners are Holly Charleston and Michelle Blake. <sighs> and, and Glitter. They, they like run up to the stage, right? And they're kind of like taking turns, trying to take turns, but also kind of like stepping on each other to give their speeches and stuff. Because yes. they don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know, the balloons fall, celebrations. Yes. Cordy and Buffy are just like, whatever they're just like Fuck we this. are over yeah. this we've been through too much they walk away the end and that's the episode <laughs> yeah i don't know what this means i guess it just solidifies that they're both you know scoobies and they're both badass women but they're just not gonna get the recognition from their schoolmates it's just not gonna happen so true so true who is your hero wow i think there is only one possibility mm-hmm. and it's cordelia right like there's nobody else in this episode i do i understand earlier in the episode she was a bitch to buffy um i kind of defended her at the time i apologized for her actions based on social pressures and stuff but it also just like for the rest of the episode when cordelia is put into a dangerous situation she steps up right buffy is a hero we expect her to step up in that situation cordelia is an ordinary person and she goes toe-to-toe with these monsters like she said, she doesn't break a sweat. She single-handedly takes on <laughs> Lyle Gorch and defeats him. Mm-hmm. With her words. Cordelia is our number one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, we're so aligned the last couple of episodes on who's the hero. Like, it's so clearly Cordelia. And even before she got really badass at the end and, and fought the vampire, before that, she was outsmarting and outplaying Buffy at the campaign game. That's, that's true. That's really impressive. And I honestly... We could say, you know, Buffy needed that, right? She needed that competition, as as Mr. Trick said earlier in the episode. Can you, like, that's the only reason Buffy went for Homecoming Queen. And if Cordelia had just rolled over, if she hadn't given Buffy a good run for her money, Buffy wouldn't have enjoyed the experience as much. So in a way, Cordelia is doing Buffy a favor. Yeah, and also, like, Buffy stepped into Cordelia's territory there, where she, like, put herself in between her friends and Cordy like that. It was entertaining and interesting. But at the end of the day, Cordelia triumphed, in my opinion. I think Cordelia would have gotten more votes than Buffy at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. All right. Yay. What an interesting episode. Uh, we do have a couple hot stakes. We do. So our first hot stake is from Erica, who wrote in to say, 
I just wanted to mention how distracting it is that Scott Hope looks exactly like Ben Shapiro. That is all. <laughs> I mean, I didn't see it until now, but now, thanks to you, Erica, I can't unsee it. So yeah, it's, that's in a good thing. This was hopefully Scott's last episode, so <laughs> just in time to never see him again. Uh, thanks, Erica. Next hot steak is from Sarah who said, how the hell did none of the grown-ups think to take Faith in? The girl was even younger than Buffy, had no money, no home, and was obviously starved, as shown by the scene where she's at Buffy's for dinner. Um, clearly, she's talking about Faith, Hope, and Trick, that episode. Um, Sarah says, that's just so unbelievable and, again, infuriating. The whole development of Faith in this season would be so different if somebody would actually care and take care of her. Ooh, we got to keep our eye on that for sure. But that's a really good point. I too was wondering, it's like, okay, Faith is staying in a hotel. And we were like, shouldn't the watchers be giving her money at least to stay there? But you're right. Like, why couldn't she have found a better place to stay? Sarah goes on to say, as a bi woman, I initially, when I first started watching the show, didn't realize how bi-coded the character of Faith was. Years later, everything made more sense. And I also read the moving on from Angel part in such a way that Faith not boring Scott, <laughs> was the new person of interest for Buffy. Ooh. Interesting. I mean, um, you know, we talk a lot, as much as we can, about queer coding on the show, queer theory stuff. A lot of you listeners write in and, and talk about this, and without going to spoilers, right, it, it will get more important as the show goes on. Um, so keep writing in with these kinds, these kinds of hot stakes. Thanks for that thought, Sarah, because... I agree. There, there's there's stuff that we can read in here, whether the writers are intending to do it or not. And I think we should look at like Faith's sexuality versus Buffy's sexuality, because it does get back into what we touched on in the previous season with this idea of the Madonna horror complex, you know, Buffy being pure and virginal, and then she gives up her virginity <laughs> and she's a slut and a whore. You know, and now we see Faith, who's like totally embraced her sexuality and uses it in this way that you know we're as we see as the season goes on it kind of gets uncomfortable at times yeah um so we, we got lots to talk about and unpack there so please keep those hot stakes keep those thoughts coming in yeah and that hot steak was actually perfect for this episode homecoming when we actually see faith and buffy we're gonna go to the dance together and faith was like you know stepping in and being like that guy sucks like let's have a girls thing it just makes sense i i totally see this so yeah we'll keep our eye on that as we keep going thanks sarah all right uh we're gonna do some thank yous to some of our members who have graciously supported us here so kind <laughs> uh so first up we've got rora uh, Rora has supported us at the Slayer level, and she says that she got into Buffy uh, when her boyfriend watched them when they first aired, and then ended up showing her the whole series, as well as Angel. Uh, and I, I'm getting the sense this was kind of a quid pro quo thing, because this happened after she made him watch Twilight. <laughs> um, so, good. I, I'm glad. I'm glad that both of you were able to experience each other's vampire loves. Um, and Rora says, I fell in love with Buffy from that moment on. And Rora's favorite character is Drusilla. Oh, I like that choice. Yeah. Thank you for supporting us. And our next supporter is Spencer. Spencer says, I've been a fan since 98. So since this episode <laughs> came out. Uh, unfortunately, Ted was my first episode, but... 
Thankfully, I persevered. My favorite characters are Willow, Anya, whom we haven't met yet, and Faith. And he says, I just can't pick between my girls. And Aww. I get you. I get you, Spencer. So again, thank you for supporting us, Spencer. Plenty of opportunities to go to buymeacoffee.com and support us. And we're going to finish off with a special shout out to our first chosen one. Uh, so those who back at the chosen one tier are kind of like the producers of the show. So you're going to hear their names at the end of the show every week. Um, so this is Lizzie. And Lizzie just found the podcast and shares that she got into Buffy in her late 20s. Um, and it was kind of like a bomb for uh, her marriage, which was not a very good marriage, turned out to be abusive. So watching Buffy was this kind of escape mechanism for her. Fortunately for Lizzie, she's been out of her marriage for seven years now. She's recently started her own rewatch. And she's kind of questioning her assumptions about the characters because when she was watching Buffy during her marriage, you know, sometimes the influence of her partner and stuff would cause her to look at the show in a certain way. And now she's kind of watching it with fresh eyes. And I, mm. I think that's always great about a TV show, right? Is when you rewatch a TV show and you get not just new things from it, but almost like you're completely questioning how you took it in the first time. Yeah. So she says, you know, she stumbled upon TikTok because of the Xander slander and her man into our <laughs> podcast. Her favorite episode from the show is called Hush, which we haven't seen yet, but any anybody who's familiar with Buffy knows that's kind of like one of the big episodes. So we'll get oh. to it in season four. Mm -hmm. And she says, I myself have only realized, you know, recently I am a lesbian and I will be 39 years old in April. Uh, I've been a practicing witch since my mid twenties. So coupled with my late blooming sexuality in my late thirties, she says that episode in particular really speaks to her. And I can't go into any more details there because we don't want to go into any spoil spoilers yet, but we'll get there. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you so much, Lizzie, for supporting the show and becoming our first chosen one. Lizzie, thank you so much. I love it. <laughs> so it's, it's so special. Thank you. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode. We will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. See you next week. Bye.